Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of For What It's Nerd. Uh, today I want to discuss two things. So, Andor's finale and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Um, let's talk about Andor first. Um, the finale was really fun. I think um, it wrapped up a good bit of the storylines, but at the same time left a lot um, open. Um, I think, you know, when you're dealing with a story that has already been confirmed to be two seasons long, um, you're not necessarily dealing with an ending at the end of a season, but rather going, this is the midway point from now on, this, these things will happen, so to speak. So I think, and I've, I've said this a few times, actually, in different places, and maybe not necessarily on camera, but slash recording. Um, but I think this season split is more about production and about like actors taking some time and then coming back to the project. Um, because um, I think that you could very easily have the next episode run on from where they left off. Now, that's not necessarily what's going to happen because um, the next season of Andor is going to be like one-year chunks of three episodes. So basically, like every three episodes will um, represent a year or what, like a part of a year leading up to Rogue One. But um, no, I really enjoyed Andor. I think it was a really good ending. I think um, a lot of the characters were really serviced very well in the ending. There are some controversies around Andor at the moment, and it's actually not about Andor itself, but rather how people have perceived Andor. And it's around the realism of Andor and like uh, essentially the joke right now um, because of Star Wars theory um, is that um, this, this guy was saying that um, screws and bricks and stuff in Star Wars makes it feel less Star Wars. Now, obviously, screws are a thing they just they just exist it, it sounds weird to even be talking about it and especially bricks as well i mean bricks are a common tool for creation um regardless of the point what what i think he was getting at and i'm not defending him because i think the way he said it and the thing that he said and the way he's just trying to dislike star wars is wrong um i i do understand partially the the, the, the commentary underneath if that makes sense the the idea sometimes something doesn't feel quite star warsy and i did get moments like that in andor i will admit not saying that it's as strong as maybe star wars theory is making out and i don't think it ruins the show i think sometimes it kind of makes you reassess what star wars is not necessarily in a bad way um but i do think at times i was kind of like oh that doesn't feel very star warsy to me for example one that does crop up for me is that um the use of um normal earth swear words right i know that sounds very weird but for me that takes me out because i'm very used to the kind of silly they are caricatured um swear words um carabast etc and th those those swears make me feel like i'm in star wars star wars is that weird kind of um goofy-esque stuff in regards to that um, Star Wars makes up words like flimsy plast for, for paper and you're meant to kind of go with it, right? So like, I get it, but I also think that's part of Star Wars. And I think using more grounded, um, more grounded, realistic, real life swears takes away from it for me. So I kind of get where Star Wars theory is coming from in regard to a general idea about these things I, I believe to be Star Wars and these things I believe to not be Star Wars. But you have to reassess that and you have to look at it and you have to kind of say, well, did it really impact the story for me? For example, 
um, you know, um, th there's, there's this suggestion that the last episode, there's a line by Marva where she says, fight uh, the Empire. And apparently in one of the original versions, there it was fuck the Empire, which um, obviously, I mean, that, that was, I think that's been kept out more from a, a accessibility, like child-friendly standpoint, rather than, you know, because it doesn't fit with the universe necessarily um, for, you know, creatives. But for me, I think that would be the reason. I would personally be taken very out of Star Wars if I suddenly heard someone say, fuck the Empire. It, it, it doesn't feel right to me, but that's me, you know? I never expect my opinion of Star Wars to be everyone's opinion of Star Wars. And that's the important part. And I think that's what's being missed in this conversation is that um, as far as I'm aware, Star Wars theory is just saying this isn't Star Wars, which that's wrong. It's not your Star Wars. And, and that's the important differentiation here. Not that I'm trying to come for anyone, so to speak. I think it's just an important thing to discuss. I do understand the basic premise, and I do kind of agree in some areas. But overall, it doesn't matter what you think Star Wars is because you're not the only fan of Star Wars. For example, I very much enjoy Star Wars as regards like Jedi stuff and kind of like mystical stuff. And I would rather them see them delve into that and kind of deal with more kind of like um, the magical side of, of the Force, if that makes sense. Like the kind of, you know, more kind of fantasy-esque tropes within Star Wars. But a lot of people don't see that as Star Wars. A lot of people see it as Western or, or kind of like this used world. And, you know, that's fine too. But like there is obviously a lot of, um, in Star Wars, there's a lot of different people being pulled to it for different reasons. You know, you can read, for example, a Thrawn book and you can like sit and read pages of like military descriptions and you can be like, what the fuck have I just read? And then you can read like, you know, any other book and you'd be like Jedi talking about like the code and uh, like the Jedi code and talking about fighting Sith and, you know, um, dealing with, you know, whatever problem that arises and very different, very different, like the Jedi code versus military um, kind of dialogue versus even stuff like, you know, you've got your scoundrel storylines and stuff that are very like on the edge of space, kind of again, Western st style vibes. And those three things are very different, but they're all Star Wars. Um, and I think that's very important to, to kind of say again, Andor, I loved, I do think it had some parts where it felt like that to me, but I think that's enough said on that, so to speak. Um, but yeah, so the episode was really good. I think what I found very interesting about this episode is it gave a lot of fleshing out to the Ferex characters that we had become um, aware of earlier in the season, uh, especially Brasso. I think Brasso turned out to be a really important, like enjoyable part of this, these last, I think two episodes, kind of like seeing him and kind of getting to, to see him with, um, B, B, B2? Is it B2? The droid. And like seeing his kind of his reaction to Marva and, and also his reaction to the people around him. Um, and Bix as well. Obviously, Bix gets a little bit more of a story in these last two episodes. And I think those characters are really well done. Now, I also want to kind of touch on Marva's speech, the, 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 the line, fight the Empire. That's where it comes from. Um, that speech was really empowering. But I've got to say, Andor has a lot of good speeches and a lot of good dialogue. Sometimes even throwaway dialogue that's great. And I, I think that's what really sells these moments in the show. I got, I got emotional listening to Marva. It felt real. It felt 
um it felt like a call to arms in reality as well i think that's sometimes that's very important not necessarily saying that, that you know a lot of people aren't in the scenarios that are happening in andor i know that but um a rallying kind of you know these people moving against something that they disagree with um like the literal physical moving of all these people who are joined in an ideal um is very moving on screen and marva kind of really encapsulated that at the end um and yeah, I think I think this is going to be a really good starting point springboard for season two. I think season two is going to go ham from the start. I think season two is going to be very much like season one was a slow burn, right? Because like it's a full cycle. It's like these things happen and that it kind of season one is about getting Andor to the point where he will rebel. He will join the rebellion. And at the end, obviously, he with Luthen you know, seem to be ready to go off and do exactly that. So this whole season is a slow burn. And a lot of people weren't ready for that and aren't ready for that and don't like that. I get it. But what you will find is that I, I think from, from the get-go in season two, those 12 episodes will have nothing but pace and action and, you know, obviously moments of storytelling too. But I do feel like um, it's going to be a lot more hit the ground running rather than like, you know, a big um, setup piece. Um, but uh, this, th there's so much poeticism in Andor as well, and I think that's really what I was enjoying. I enjoyed how much thought went into the story. Now, don't get me wrong, there's some parts that I think could have been better fleshed out. There's some parts that I think were kind of done then dropped very early on, and there's also parts that I think kind of slightly um, eschew um, previous um, lore, etc. But that... <laughs> I'm trying to come to terms with that because I think what 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 what's annoying and, and as someone who reads a lot of Star Wars, especially canon stuff, is that a lot of that seems to be kind of used when it's convenient, used when it's fun, but then dropped when it's not, um, which is fine, but also it's not, if that makes sense. Um, I do have a little bit of an issue with that more recently. I think it's, it's really ramping up to where people are like, ah, we're not going to worry about these books that were made, you know, two or three years ago even um and okay you know i get it i get that not everyone reads the books i get that not everyone cares about the books but the thing is you have to understand that disney have on occasion said that on, on numerous occasions actually said that the books and stuff are on the same level of canon as anything else so it's frustrating and it's hard to kind of as someone who reads the books and then watches the stuff and you know back and forth it's very frustrating because you feel like there's two dichotomies within Star Wars. There's the people who, you know, take in all Star Wars media, and there's people who take in the visual Star Wars media. And one will say, well, this is fine, I like it. And then we, we who, who read it all, watch it all, are like, well, uh, it, could, it could have just slightly been just slightly better. It could have just slightly used this, or there was this concept that's very similar that wasn't used. And so I, I do kind of question that a little bit. I understand it. I get it. I, I, I am not angry about it. I was maybe at the start when it started to happen a bit. I'm not so angry now. I still wish it didn't happen. But I think what you'll always find is that there's always going to be a simplification slash alteration of stories for um, the kind of mainstream media. And you've kind of just got to go with that to an extent. I don't like it still. I really, really don't like it because it just messes with my brain. But my brain versus the Star Wars community is it's a no-brainer isn't it you know 
Um, but yes, yeah, so overall, Andor was really fun, really good finale. Can't believe we have to wait two years now, but at least we got that little teaser of uh, the Death Star being built, which is very fun as well. Um, very ominous. And I think that's what I love about this show, how ominous and dark and dreary it is and how much it shows how oppression can actually be. Because, you know, in the past, Star Wars has been comic, like, comic in its villains, if that makes sense. You know, Palpatine is a caricature. Yes, people like that can exist, but Palpatine is a caricature. And Vader, like, Vader's helmets, you know, it, it, we love Vader and we, we know him to be menacing, but Vader's outfit's kind of like, it's it's very it's like very like I am the villain you know it's it's very like hello clean edges and it, it, it's it's so villainous that it's comical if that makes sense not in the sense of like everything that you ever see Vader in is funny but and you know he is a menace you know that but like I, I think I make myself clear I, th I think I'm making myself clear that you know he's still got this kind of um, comical villain esque like kind of like Saturday morning villain part to him even though he has these kind of underlying tones, etc. once you get into him. Um, so yeah, I, I think this was very fun to have like these grounded kind of um, more, well, you're more normal people in a sense. I think that's the, the idea of the show, to have the idea of what people are actually feeling like on the ground, what people experience. You know, you're not a Jedi, you're not a Sith, you're not a high up imperial officer you're not someone who is you know within the armies or within the you know you're, you're literally just on a planet doing your job and this happens well how do you react and that's i think that's a really it was a really fun concept and i can't wait to see if they continue that in season two because i think season two could very much go into the usual trend of like more rogue one-esque but that's that's not bad too that has its place and i mean rogue one is my favorite star wars movie so there you go that's kind of what I have to say on Andor, um, apart from, you know, excited for season two, which I've said like three or four times now. Um, and, you know, obviously there's probably going to be a lot of cameos in season two, um, which I, I am kind of excited for. I hope they do a few because don't get me wrong, I, I'm not a cameo-esque person. I'm not like, oh, it has to have a cameo or it's crap. But I think, I think Andor is uniquely positioned to include a lot of characters or a number of characters without ruining story and i think that's why i want it because you know as opposed to something like um you know mandalorian where sometimes it felt like the characters not sorry mandalorian boba fett when some of the characters were kind of coming in you were like well they're kind of stealing the show um it's not that i i, I i'm i'm happy that it's not that but i do feel like um, Andor could do some without, you know, going into that Boba Fett territory. With that said, let's move on to the Guardians holiday special. Now, this was probably my more enjoyed piece of media this week, even though Andor's finale was really good, because what I liked about it is that this didn't, it didn't take it, your, your regular formula. It decided to do something different. The, the holiday special is essentially a home alone situational-esque movie um with fun and enjoyment and emotion um i got very i actually cried at the holiday special i i'm not ashamed to admit it was very moving um seeing you know mantis and drax do something so caring for peter was really really moving because i think i think um 
I think we don't see enough of that type of humanistic approach in the MCU. You know, a lot of things are reactionary. Um, a lot of things are like, oh, we're doing this thing to save these people. And you get bored of that. But Mantis and Drax create the problem, so to speak, in this. Create the storyline, so to speak, by saying, this is a thing we don't quite like about the situation that Peter's in right now, as regards not feeling like he has a, you know, he's going to have a good Christmas. And we're going to do something about it. And it was a very nice, that, that was the antagonist, so to speak. There is no antagonist in this movie. In fact, it's the only Marvel property thus far to have essentially no antagonist, uh, apart from Drax and Mantis kind of being the antagonists, which was a, amazing comedy in and of itself. Um, but also, I mean, the fact that Mantis and Drax are the, the, the linchpins of this, that they're the main characters is really fun because, you know, they could have very easily made this about um peter being the main character and that would have been fine apart from the fact that um you know these characters i feel sometimes that are like the secondary characters don't get the screen time and even when they do get their screen time it, they still feel like the ancillary characters um i think sometimes like you you see you see that kind of suffering sometimes in the disney plus shows like you have these characters come forward, but they still sort of feel like they're not coming from 2D to 3D. They still feel kind of two-dimensional. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that, you know, Mantis's character got far more interesting after watching. I mean, I liked Mantis anyway, but after watching the Guardians Holiday Special, I'm very excited to see Mantis in Guardians 3 now. Uh, and I feel like Drax got a little bit more um, to play with as well. Now, don't get me wrong, Drax is still a bumbling Drax esque character i don't even know how to say it other than drax drax esque i can speak um because he, he's just kind of quintessentially himself but um i i do think he didn't have maybe as much growth as mantis in this but um i'm excited to see him again and and you know the, the, there's some kind of like very heartwarming thing about seeing these characters in a situation that's kind of almost slice of life like very normal and I think that was, again, linking back to Andor in a sense, it's nice to come out of the hyper-realism, uh, not hyper-realism, sorry, the hyper-fantasy and go into something that's kind of realistic. Um, and I think that's, that's fun sometimes because it's nice to see characters. It's the beach episode, so to speak. When you have a show and they go, or, or the filler episode, or the, the musical episode from like shows you know it's that episode where things happen that aren't quite necessarily how the stuff usually goes and it is obviously going to be a one-off sort of deal but it's fun it's enjoyable and you get to spend some time with characters in a way that you maybe wouldn't have spent time with them before and i think that's always really fun i think that's always really exciting i like stuff like that um for example when agent carter did a little bit of a musical episode not fully but it was a little bit of like a musical sequence that was really fun. It, it, was, it was done in a way that was tasteful, but it was fun because it was like, let's take these characters who wouldn't normally interact in this way and do something like crazy with it. And I always think that's really admirable. I think it's always really, um, you know, it, it's a risk sometimes because some people will go, this isn't my thing. Going back to kind of the Star Wars idea, this isn't my Marvel. You know, the, I, I get it, but also I think sometimes you have to go outside the box and you know, now that I'm thinking about it and I'm kind of sat here, both Andor and the Guardians Holiday Special did that. Like, don't get me wrong, the Holiday Special still has the Guardians humor and it still has the, you know, all that type of stuff. But it, it, it's not scared to try something a little bit different. And I think that's what needs to continue to happen. I think the specials as a formula even 
um i i a, i'd like to see some star wars specials like that that'd be kind of cool like i could see very easily see uh like a, a star wars special that's like you know tie fighter pilots for example and or or even something like um uh, i can't think of something like like a, a, a jedi but like a small jedi contained story right specials i think specials could be a really good idea for marvel and star wars going forward but the idea being that you have these small kind of pieces of storytelling that don't necessarily need to lead anywhere but are fun interactions uh, werewolf by night was a perfect example it doesn't necessarily feed into the bigger mcu apart from a few hints and tips and kind of it's probably going to link at some point in the future but on its own it's just fun right it's just a little bit of fun a halloween movie that you probably watch again every halloween if you if you're a big marvel fan and that's that the same for the holiday special and it, so i'm very excited to see where this special formula goes next because as of right now obviously the two specials that we've got have been kind of seasonal if that makes sense you know hollow halloween and then christmas slash holiday time um i wonder if that's going to kind of be a theme of these things especially because i mean i don't know whether this is just a little thing that i picked up in my head but um i kind of hope they do it in a jokey kind of way but there was a reference in the guardian special to kevin bacon who was in the, the this special um seeing everyone the guardians again at easter and i i know it's probably not but i would kind of love if they just went you know what we're going to do an easter one as well because i think that would be hilarious just to like just just for the meme of it to bring back bring back the guys and do an easter one um just just for fun um but what i'm trying to say is i think is it going to stay seasonal are they going to have like let's say yeah easter or, or like even a valentine's day one or something crazy like that or are they like kind of like heightened or are they going to start doing stuff like presenting because i we have heard rumors for example that nova might get a special as the introduction to as their introduction to the mcu um so I, I, which way is it going is it going to stay seasonal or is it going to move into kind of it's about character introductions it's about kind of diversifying uh, how we tell stories because it could be both uh, i mean easily could be both but yeah i really enjoyed it and i think i think this movement at the moment to trying different things with both of these franchises is really really important i think it's really you know you have to revitalize stuff you have to keep innovating and i think that's what both the both star wars and marvel are doing at the moment and i'm very saying i'm proud of them sounds very weird to say because they're a big multi-million dollar company and i'm one person but i'm proud of them for trying because i think it's very easy to get into let's just keep doing the same thing um and a lot of people have said that's kind of uh, especially the mcu um and well even star wars to an extent they keep doing the same thing and star wars is still kind of there because like they keep rehashing the galactic civil war but they are moving slightly in that direction because they're trying to do acolyte as well so you know it's, it's it's an amalgam but i do think that the more they kind of try and push the boundaries um yes you're going to have your star wars theories who say this isn't my star wars or your your marvel alum who say this isn't my marvel but like overall i think it's a very good movement and what a week of television it sounds weird to say television these days. What a week of streaming. Well, that doesn't sound right either. So I don't know what to call it. What a week of programming. Let's, let's, let's go programming. Um, I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed the, the shows slash the things too. 
Um, and uh, as always, guys, thank you for watching slash listening or wherever you're, whatever you're doing with this. Um, thank you, guys. And I'll see you later.